Welcome to the Becoming Church again. Uh, we're super excited that you're here and excited that you joined us. And we're excited to uh, continue on uh, in this collection called Practicing the Way. And so if this is your first uh, time with us today, uh, for the last few weeks, we've been in this series, Practicing the Way. And the idea of this series is kind of like answering this question, like, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Like, you hear that so often, like, I follow Jesus, but what does that even really mean? And kind of setting up the collection, we had this conversation called The Truth About Following Jesus. And I would encourage you to uh, go subscribe to our YouTube channel and be able to catch up with that. And actually all of the uh, messages uh, from that week on to uh, today. But what it means is we are uh, reorganizing or reorienting our lives around this. To be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. Right. So the early followers or disciples of Jesus, they were it's another word for apprentice to apprentice under a rabbi to follow him. So if you're an electrician or plumber or whatever, like you would uh, apprentice under a master electrician. And your goal was to be with him, was to become like him and was to do what he did. And in the same way, that's true for us in terms of being followers of Jesus, that our goal is to be with him, to become like him, and to do what Jesus did. And so that's what we've been working through these last couple of weeks. And we talked about the way of faith um, in the first week. And that was about this idea that faith, we define faith as uh, the conviction that God will not lie. That he is faithful to his word and that he would do exactly what he said. And as followers of Jesus, we've been called to follow him by faith and to trust him and to get outside of comfort and to go where he goes. And, And then last week we talked about the way of community, that we were not called to to live an isolated life, but we were called to live life together. And we looked at Acts chapter 2 because we figured this, well, if we're going to talk about community, this is a, a, a new church that has just launched, and it makes sense to go back and see what did the early church do? How did they function? And we see that they met house to house, and they met in the temple, and they, they shared a meal. And that is what we want to see um, built here at the Becoming Church, that we don't want us to just see each other on Sunday mornings, but we want to meet house to house. We want to hang out. We want to simply share a meal. And that's why we have belong groups that are happening right now. In fact, uh, we have about eight groups that you can connect with. And, you, and if you want more information, please stop by. we got a table outside in the lobby that you can stop by and see Lit Charity, and she can fill you in on all the different groups that we have available for this summer season. And uh, we're just getting ready and prepping uh, for the fall when we're going to have even more groups than what we have available now. But I want to encourage you, get connected in a group. We were not meant to live alone, but meant to live together. And so today uh, we're going to continue in this collection. And uh, if you got your copy of God's Word, uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, as some of you may know it. I need that deep radio voice right there. Welcome to KISS FM 98.7. You know what I mean? I can't do it. Let's stop. I'm embarrassing some of you. <laughs> or myself. 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to read verses 1 through 13. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, no worries. You can follow with me right here on the screen. It says this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, 
I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. That sounds exciting. (laughs) If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Listen to what love is. Love is patient. I had to pause there because I was thinking of my kids. (laughs) Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I taught like a child. I thought like a child. I reason like a child. When I became a man, I put away, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. In verse 13, it says this. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And so as I mentioned earlier, in this collection, we're talking about reorganizing our lives around those three goals. And I'm going to say them a lot. You're going to be tired of it, but I want us to really understand that, that those are the goals that we are reorganizing our lives around, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what he did. And those are not just the goals because we're in this collection practicing the way, but those are the goals because they are the way to life. You know, Jesus says, I am the way. And so the way, meaning literally what he said, is him. And so we're going to model our lives after the way. Remember, earlier followers of Jesus were not called Christians like we are today. Uh, that didn't happen until till later, but they were actually called followers of the way. And it reflected back to what he uh, told uh, Thomas, or really to others, but he was responding to Thomas uh, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we are followers of the way. And if you are a Star Wars fan, you know, like, this is the way, Mandalorian. Two of you. Okay. <laughs> know your audience. <laughs> so today we're going to have this conversation, the way of love. But before we jump into it, would y'all pray with me? Father, we thank you today. God, we thank you for your grace, for your love, and for your mercy God, we thank you for who you are, all that you do. God, thank you for this opportunity to gather like this today. And God, I pray over these next few moments, Lord, that you speak to us, lead us, guide us. Holy Spirit, we need you. I need you. Uh, I don't have intellect or just all these things to rely on. Lord, it's your presence. That's, that's, that's what we're here for. And so, God, speak to us. God, give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear exactly what it is you want to say to us. And, Lord, we say this. Speak, Lord, because we're listening. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. 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 So, family, let me start off by asking you a question. (laughs) 
<laughs> what is love? I almost want to sing the song. That's why I'm starting to laugh. But I'm not talking about that song, that, that 90s hit single, you know, what is love? Okay. Y'all acting like y'all didn't know. <clears throat> me, me, me. Do I need to really sing it? <laughs> but really, what is love? Right? We hear the word love attached to everything. Right? Oh, man, I love those shoes. I love that house. I love that car. I love my job. Or if you're me, I love donuts. I love cake. Right? But what is love? Because it's that same word love that we also attach to our family. I love my spouse. I love my kids. Or I love Jesus. Could we really be talking about the same type of love when we say, well, I love the weather today and I love Jesus? So this question, what is love, is something that we really got to answer and it's something that we really need to consider. So today, as we continue this collection, Practicing the Way, I want us to discover the way of love and how a true and authentic definition of love would help us live a life of love and not a life of a distortion of love. But before I do that, I want to do this on my own. And since we're talking about love, I feel like it would just be perfect to do this with the love of my life, my wife. Would would y'all give it up for Pastor Katie as she comes? Come on, babe. I I can't do this by myself. All right. So we're going to take a seat. Okay. All right, here we go. So we're talking about love this morning, which can I tell you, you look amazing today. Thank you. So do you. Know? you. I said we're supposed to be communicating the word, and you got me distracted <laughs> up here. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> I guess people here for the first time is like, what is going on? <laughs> but listen, to, to give some context to the text, uh, 1 Corinthians is a letter uh, that's written uh, to the church in Corinth, and it's a church that Paul, the writer of this letter, that he actually founded. And he's writing this letter to uh, bring uh, some correction to so many issues that's going on through the church. I mean, there's, there's tons of issues. and I mean, going from, from pride to sexual immorality uh, to an incorrect understanding of spiritual gifts and, and so, so much more. And part of that, in terms of spiritual gifts, there are people who believe uh, that, well, if you speak in tongues or you have the gift of prophecy, that, that you're better than others who, who do not. And so this is part of the reason why Paul is writing this letter. And, and we see that in chapter 12 and also in chapter 14 where Paul is trying to bring some correction uh, to uh, uh, the incorrect theology and understanding that they have. And what we see is chapter 13, it fits like well where it is because he's addressing issues in chapter 12, but he's also addressing issues in chapter 14 that seems to kind of be much of the same. And he kind of brings some correction to it. And so Paul, he's calling the church away from division and back towards unity. Because understand this, unity begins by understanding the way of love, right? That when you understand, like, we should have love for each other, and we'll get more into that and exactly what that means, that it can't help but want you to be unified. 
It's why if you're if, if you have uh, a sibling yourself or if you uh, are a parent and, and you have kids, uh, uh, multiple kids, you want them to, hey, you love each other, so <laughs> act right, right? <laughs> right? So, but until you understand love, it's hard to get unity. And so Paul wanted them to understand that unity begins by understanding the way of love. He wanted them to know that no matter your spiritual gifts or how spiritual you think you are, that it amounts to nothing if you don't understand love. It doesn't matter that, you know, you speak in tongues, but yet you're mean in English, right? It doesn't matter. Like, yo, bro, that's cool you speak in tongues, but can you just be kind to someone, you know? speak. I'll leave that alone, you know, for when we have that collection in the fall. But... He's like, look, that's cool, because this is what John 3.16 says. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. So, family, we are called to follow the way of love. And so this morning, the love of my life, we're going to sit here and we're going to pull some observations from this text uh, to help us answer this question what is love? Y'all want to do that this morning? All right, let's do it. Yes, it's uh, an honor. Thank you so much for inviting me up here to speak with you and have this conversation. Absolutely. <laughs> so our first observation is love plays the long game. So in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5, it says, Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrong. So these verses cause me to think about the relationships that we have in our lives and how we interact with each other. So of course, I immediately think about our kids. So their new favorite word, parents kids, let, let me know if you've ever said this, uh, like, go put that in the trash, uh, I'm like, the response yeah. is yes. They're like four, it's like, I thought that was later, you know? Right, why is Zoe saying that? She's yeah. two. So, I say that jokingly, but in these moments, I try to think about love is patient, love is kind, <laughs> And in these moments, I have an opportunity to show uh, our kids what Jesus looks like, even when it's not the response that I want. But um, it teaches me to be patient with them. I have an opportunity to reflect Jesus. Yeah. But listen, it takes practice. (laughs) I tell Isaiah and Titus all the time, if you can't have a good attitude, you need to pray to Holy Spirit to help you. Yes. And uh, it's the way um, of love is playing the long game by constantly showing up and giving effort to express love, even when it's not easy to express it, Mm. like the response, ugh. My prayer is by trying to love them like Jesus so that they'll learn to love Jesus and then love others. I think about showing love to friends and family. Going back to the verse, it says, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking. 
I want to show love to my friends and my family by encouraging them, by honoring them, not so that I get something out of it, but because of authentic love I have for them. There's so much like negativity and people trying to tear each other down that I think about uh, what Michael talked about last week when he said we have far more in common than we don't. What if we encouraged others, that brother, that sister, to walk in the way of Jesus by yeah. just letting, you, letting them know that you're proud of them, that you want them to have a good day, that you care about them. You never know what you can change in someone's eternity hmm. by simply encouraging them in the way of Jesus. I'm not just talking about our family of origin, but also our uh, family of choice, our spiritual family, yeah. and that's us here today. And these are some things we all can do, is maybe after church we linger a little bit longer. We encourage someone. We tell, ask someone, how are they doing? It's an opportunity to express love. And another relationship, um, love plays a long game in marriage. Michael and I will celebrate an amazing eight years of marriage Let's on go. Tuesday. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and it has been an amazing, great one. Um, but we make the choice each day to love each other. We can say, I love you forever, but it's in the day-to-day small, small moments that we choose to love yeah. Uh, each other. Uh, one of my favorite pastors uh, said this once before. <laughs> it's in the minor moments that make the major moments. Mm. Think of the couple that's celebrating that 30, 40, 50 years of marriage. It didn't just happen, but they played the long game of choosing each other. Yeah, no, that's, that's so good. Um, like playing the long game of of love, like it, it takes time. I think about you know, like when you talked about like raising our kids, like that's playing the long game. Like it, it just doesn't happen. And there are many of you that have kids older than us, so you know, like you're telling us, like it takes. I just think about me as a kid, you know, like it takes the long game. Uh, but also in marriage, you know, I love that. Like, you know, you see couples who are celebrating like 50 years of marriage. You know, that was many times like, will you please roll the toothpaste from the bottom up? Don't just, you know, oops, um, am I letting too much? You just squeeze it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not one of ours at all. No. <laughs> but love plays the long game, which I feel like really goes well to this next observation uh, because if love plays the long game, that must mean that love brings success um, or that it, it, it works. And that's exactly uh, what this next observation is. Love always works. So back in high school, I drove this 1996 Nissan Maxima, also known as Maxine. <laughs> and listen, let me tell you, I kept that thing clean. Like, it was always clean. Like I had, I had some 12s in the back. Uh, um, they, they, there was some kickers, like 12 inch. Like I, the bass, like you could hear me before you saw me. Like you know, I was beating down the block, as we would say. And uh, I had some 18s on it. They weren't 20s, but I kept them clean though, mm -hmm. and, and they were always uh, shining and ready to go. There we go. In fact, I remember, 
uh, our house had a carport. And sometimes, you know, it was long enough where I can get my car uh, there as well with my, parent, uh, my mom's car. And if it rained, like I would, I would go outside before school, dry off all of the rainwater, uh, clean off the rims, put some black magic on the tires, get to school. And everybody's like, bro, didn't it rain this morning? How is your car so clean? I was like, look, in my mind, I was like, I can't let you catch me slipping. Like, I'm always... <laughs> gonna be prepared. Maxine was always <laughs> ready. <laughs> and uh, Maxine was cool until one day, like she just started acting up. <laughs> and uh, like she would cut off, she would lose power. Like I stop at a light, she lose power. I'm like, Maxine, what you, what you doing? Wake up, <laughs> you know? And she would cut off and lose power. And I remember one time in particular, I was on uh, Jordan Lane and uh, it was the intersection of Jordan Lane and, and Maston Lake. And some of you may, may know that. And it's hot. So I've graduated now. It's hot. It was June. And we're at the light, and it just cuts off. And it's like, you know, the panic starts to set in. Like, come on, like, not right now. Like, I was, I was headed to the house. I'm like, if I can get home, like, not right now. She wasn't having it. It cut off. I knew my dad was in the area, so I called him, and he helped me out. And these people blowing the horn. I'm like, get out and help us. You see us pushing this car in the heat. And we pushed it to that Texaco or Liberty 2000, whatever, whatever it was or is. And, uh, you know, it was all good. While Maxine was shining, and I had the, the, the sound system in there, and the rims were all clean. All that was good. But how do you, I mean, you guys know, I didn't care about any of that when she just wouldn't go. Like, you are a car, you're a supply, I hit the pedal, and go. Like, that was an issue. Now, here's the crazy way I'm going to uh, relate this to our text. I feel like this is what Paul, this is how it speaks to me. you got to have some excitement when you read the Bible, okay? I'm not saying you change it. Of course not. Don't do that. But you make it come alive. Let it speak to you. And this is how I see it when Paul says this in verse 8. He says, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. So this is how that car situation, and this relates to me. It's like you can have rims, you can have the music, and you can have all of that, but it means nothing if the car isn't actually moving. So you can, you can prophesy, you can, you can speak in tongues, you can obtain all this knowledge, family, but it means nothing if you do not have love. Why? Because love never fails. We need love, right? It's, don't, don't try to gain all this knowledge. Don't try to be the most holiest spiritual whatever person. No, can we just start with love? Because love never fails. Love always works. And if we desire to make a real difference in culture, it's going to begin and end with love. It's not going to be in our intellect. It's not going to be in how spiritual we are. It's not going to be in how great we can sing, how amazing people think we can preach. It's going to be if we can answer this question, but how do you love? Can you love? Right. That's why you see, you know, whether it's, you know, big moments like Mardi Gras where there's those people or maybe Vegas people there and they're screaming th through the, the bullhorns or whatever you call those things. That's not an expression of love. So it makes no difference. But when you begin with love, love that never, never fails, you give people an opportunity to encounter Jesus without even realizing that's what they're encountering. That's why we say uh, belongs to community and believe in Jesus, because we feel 
that if you can be connected to life-giving, authentic community, that we just, we gather first, right? We, we yeah. just gather. And maybe people can see a difference in your life. Like, man, there's something different about you. Like, you, you, you act a little different. Like, not weird, but it's just, it's different. Yo, tell me your story. Like, tell, tell me about your life. And what you have an opportunity then is to share Christ, to share the love that you haven't encountered. But it didn't start because of how intellectual you are. It started because you decided to express love, to be kind, to be generous. And so we believe if you do that, it positions people to what? To then believe in Jesus. Because you're not just talking about all these things that you should do, we should do, and how you should live, but you're actually living that out. That's That's why we believe that it begins with love. And listen, family, the, the, yeah, you can clap for that. (laughs) I'm with that. It begins with love. And, you know, the, the love that the world needs, um, we, we have the opportunity to bring that love, but it first requires us to understand that it is our responsibility to actually love the world. Are you hearing me? Like, it's not like, okay, that's, that's for the, the pastors, the church leaders, that's for this person, that person. Like, no, it's, it's for us. If we have encountered Jesus, if we have said yes to him, then it is our responsibility to then express that love to the world. Because he says this in Mark 12, uh, 30. He says, look, love God and love people. Like, those are the greatest two. Can you just do that? Love God and love people. So that means, family, it is our responsibility. But let me help you out in that. Because you see, love the world, man, you're asking a lot from me. Well, just remove the world and say, uh, love your neighbor. So I'm not asking you to love the person across the ocean, but love the person across the street. Love the person that y'all share a community with. Love the person in the community, in the cubicle across the hall from you. Love the person uh, in the checkout line. Put the phone away for a second and say, yo, how's your day going? You can express love in that way. It's the person in your class. If, if you graduate high school, you're headed off to college, you're in high school right now, that, that's the world. It's the people that are around you. And the reason we start with love is because that's the model that we have. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. It's the love of God that changed everything. It doesn't say for God's theological debates were so good that it changed the world. Okay. It doesn't say because God could quote the most scriptures that it changed the world. It says, for God so loved the world. We start with love because love always works. That's how we're going to see our neighborhoods transform. And listen, I believe it's much simpler than you're thinking. As Katie alluded to this earlier, just start with a compliment. Like, hey, you look nice today. So everybody's so fast and in a hurry today. But if you could just be the one that slows down, give somebody a compliment. That's why, you know, like you said, linger a little bit out of here. You know, <laughs> look, somebody may get mad when I say this, but, you know, it's all good. The Baptists have beat us to lunch already anyway. They're already <laughs> out, you know. And if you get mad, listen, it's all love. Send an email. And listen, it's all love. It's good. Okay? Gosh, come on. <laughs> so we're not going to win that race. So just relax and linger a little bit. Get to know, know someone a little bit. Love always works. Listen, babe, take my mic. <laughs> nope, it's on me. <laughs> I got to keep talking. Well, listen, I love what Jesus says. He says that um, the Son of Man, like he's seeking, uh, he's working to seek and save the lost. 
Now, that mission has not ended. He is still doing that. He's seeking and saving the lost. So he's made it really easy for us to come alongside what he's doing. And one of the ways that we get to do that is simply just be nice, be kind to someone. Like that is so countercultural to today is to simply be kind because everybody's looking for an opportunity to cancel someone. What yep. if we look for an opportunity to be nice to someone? And maybe that can change um, just where we're headed and, and, and have an impact in this cultural uh, moment. So love always works. And here's another observation. Love has no strings attached. Um, earlier, I mentioned how we love everything. Like we say things like, well, we love our job, we love our house, our spouse, you know, or me. We love ice cream. <laughs> but clearly, we can't be expressing the same type of love uh, when we use the word love. And no, we're not. Like the English language, it kind of cheapens that word love. We don't have many expressions or different ways to express the word love. But in the Greek language, it expresses love well in, in, in multiple ways. And two of these expressions are found in, in the Bible explicitly, like they're, they're mentioned is what I'm saying. And, and there are two other ways that are not explicitly mentioned, but they're, they're talked about. And so two of these is uh, this type of love, eros. Uh, it is the Greek word for uh, central love or romantic love. Um, and, and within the boundary of marriage, eros uh, love is to be celebrated and enjoyed as a beautiful blessing from God. And then another type of love is storge. It's a term for love uh, in the Bible that you know, some of us may not be familiar with, but this type of love, it describes uh, family love the affectionate bond that develops naturally uh, between parents and, and children and, and siblings as well. And you can see that lived out um, through, you know, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus in the Bible who were uh, siblings. And what I love, you know, you kind of alluded this, uh, to this earlier, you know, our spiritual family, our family of choice, you know, that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we get to share in a storge type of love amongst us. Um, but so those are, are two of the types of, of love that are not um, necessarily referenced but are kind of talked about uh, in the Bible. Can you share with us uh, the types of love that are explicitly mentioned? Yes. So the first one is philia. And this is a type of love that is in the Bible that most Christians practice towards each other. So philia is the most general type of love in Scripture. It encompasses love for the fellow person, human, um, care, respect, and compassion um, for people in need. And th this is the concept of brotherly love that unites believers um, uniquely in Christianity. Jesus said philia would be an identifier of his followers. It's, it's said in John 13, 35, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Yeah. It's that type of love. Another um, type of love that is explicitly uh, expressed or said in the Bible is uh, agape. And this is the highest form of love. Agape love is God's immeasurable, incomparable love for humankind. It is divine love that comes from God. Yeah. Agape love is perfect. It's unconditional, sacrificial, and it's pure. It is a love that John 3.16 talks about. Yeah. So, of course, when I think about this, I think about the love I have 
for our kids, like how much I love and care for them. It's something, um, especially when they get in trouble, I like to tell them, you know, after discipline them a little and I tell them to pray the Holy Spirit to change their attitude, I remind them that mommy and daddy will always love you no matter what. And I think about how much more does God love each of us, yeah. loves our kid that much more. We can never work to gain more of his love, and we can never do anything less to receive less of his love. His love is perfect. There are no strings attached. Uh, uh, I shared with our serve team uh, last week, um, it's just been really on my heart about... um, just the the prodigal son, someone that doesn't maybe know Jesus or has made choices thinking that Jesus isn't for them, for whatever choice that ever made it in their life, if it was last night, two weeks ago, 10 years ago, Jesus is for for you. And um, when we come home, when we run towards God, he always receives us with love. He always receives us with love. And then uh, once... uh, um, Look at the verses in Luke 15, starting in verse 20. And it's talking about the prodigal son. And he arose, talking about the son, and came to the father. But while he was still a long ways off, like he didn't make it to the father yet. He didn't clean himself up yet. He hadn't even said a word to the father yet. But while he was still a long way off, His father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. God's love is immeasurable. It's immeasurable incomparable love. His love is perfect. It's unconditional and pure. And when we go to the Father, we don't have to get ourselves cleaned up. We can just go towards him. And there's, it's just pure love. He always receives us with love. That's good. And as we prepare to close today, you know, it's hard to talk about love and get away from John 3.16. Because it's, it's an expression of the gospel in terms of what God did uh, to bring us back to him. It was yeah. the, a display of his grace and love that he lavished on us, uh, that he bankrupt heaven, if you will, in order to bring us back to him. And like you said, we didn't do anything to, to earn that love. We didn't do anything to deserve that type of love. So that, here's what I love about John 3.16, and maybe you caught this already, and I'm just catching up, but it says, for God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. It doesn't say because of Jesus. It says, for God so loved the world. That meant even before he sent Jesus, he already loved us. Like, think about that for a minute. Like, it's not because of Jesus. Like, yes, like, that's, that's part of the reflection of the fact that God loves us, that he just didn't decide to wipe out and, and say, forget it. But even before doing that, it says, 
for God so loved the world. He already loved us. So before Jesus would die on the cross and and pay the the penalty of, of sin on our behalf, God already loved us. God sent Jesus because of his love for us. That he, loved, he loves us before we believe. He loves us in our mess. He loves us in our mistakes. He loves us in our disappointment. That's the definition of agape love. This unconditional love. A love with no strings attached. Like we didn't have to work for this love. You don't have to earn this love. That he loves us so much already. So let me ask you this question, because maybe someone in here, this may relate to you. Why don't you love the one that God loves? You may say, what are you talking about? I'm saying this, why don't you love you? There's some of you I feel like there's some of you in here that you've just been so hard on yourself, and you, you, you feel like you're not worthy of this type of love. And you're actually struggling with loving yourself. And maybe you're thinking back to some mistakes. Or, or maybe you're thinking back to a moment of regret. Something that you just can't believe that you allowed yourself to get to. And, and so you've been coming. You've been showing up. You've been attending. And you've heard these type of conversations before. But you feel like, man, that's too dark where I've been. I, I, I don't deserve that kind of love. Friends, I'm, 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 t- I'm talking to all of us, but I'm talking to you. Agape love, is, it's a love that is unconditional. Every time the word love is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 13, it's, it's an agape type of love. It's, it's a love that we can't earn. That no matter what you do, you can go do something amazing and, and see a million people come to Christ, or you can be in the darkest just moment of your life. Neither of those two moments, God cannot love you more than he does in those moments. Because it's not based on what you do, friends. Because before you could do anything, before you were thought of, before you were here, God already loved you. And I want you to be restored today to understand that you can experience this love. You know, the Bible talks about Peter. where Jesus said, listen, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter like, yo, that's not happening. There's just no way. And then some of us, we know, may know the story. Peter goes on to deny Christ exactly three times, just like he said he would. And so now Peter, he finds himself returning back to the life that he used to know, to the life that he used to live. And maybe it's because he was living in the, the pain of realizing his own inadequacy, or his own failure, or his own weakness. And so he's returned to the life he used to to live. He's returned to fishing. So instead of moving forward in the teachings of Jesus, he decided to go back. Family, can I tell you in here, don't go back. Maybe you made a commitment to Jesus a time ago, and it's been tough, and it's been difficult, and it's been hard to push through. Family, don't go back. That there is healing for you that there is freedom for you, that there is restoration for you. And you don't have to believe me, just believe the word. In John 21, Jesus has appeared. He's been appearing all over the place. 
And in a lot of those instances, he's, he appeared with food. We're going to talk about next week uh, when we talk about the way of hospitality. But he's had breakfast with the disciples, and, and now he and Peter are walking along the beach. And he says to Peter, he says, he asks him, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, well, then feed my lambs. And then again, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He says, take care of my sheep. And then a third time, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, at this point, Peter is hurt because he's like, listen, you've asked me three times. Yes, I love you. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And then Jesus says, well, then feed my sheep. Now, perhaps somewhere between the first time Jesus asked Peter to the third time, maybe Peter realized what Jesus was doing, that he was restoring his moment of regret. And I love this, that he was actually restoring Peter for something that was bigger than Peter, that was bigger than himself. See, Jesus gave those three admonitions to Peter, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, and feed my sheep. That Jesus wouldn't let Peter stay where he was because he had a mission for him. And that's true for all of us in here. Jesus wants to restore you. He wants you to live in the love that he is because he has a a mission that is bigger than all of us. A, A mission that brings glory and honor to him. A mission that advances the kingdom of God. It would be Peter that would be at the forefront of the beginning of the church that he would preach and see 3,000 people added to the church. But how did he get here? It all started with a conversation around love when Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? That he gave Peter this this opportunity to move past the regret and to walk in the freedom and the restoration of his love. And family, I feel like there's some of us in here this morning that we need to walk in the freedom. We need to walk in God's love. We need to remember and know that we are loved despite your past, despite your history, despite your mistakes. Why? Yes, so that you have that revelation, but so that you can go and live the way of love, so that you can go express love to people in your community, in your family, on your job, and see a difference be made and see lives transformed. And so here's where we're laying today. The way of love is a love that is rooted in the person of Jesus, a love full of grace and truth, not intended to call out, but intended to call up. When we love those around us, that's what we're doing. We're not calling people out. We're not pointing the finger. We're not saying this, that, and the other. No, we're calling people up. Would you pray with us this morning?